Good morning. Let us now, the family of God, join together in prayer. God, our mother, our protector, our nurturer, our creator, our teacher, our giver of new life and everlasting love, we gather to praise you for all that you have given to us and all the ways that you have been like a mother to us. You are a mother who is wise and knows her children better than anyone and wants better for them. In giving to us the breath of life, you have nurtured us through all transgressions and brought to us your son. You experienced not only the adoring, sweet, amazing, wonderful, great love of a mother, but also the pain of a wailing mother at the sight of her son's death. But you rescued him as you rescue us from death and the resurrected Jesus to new life. Now your spirit flows among us, continuing to breathe life into our souls and stirring us to share your goodness, much like the way that we might remember those who have been mothers to us. We want to share and give that goodness too. We experience you now, as we have in the past, through our mothers, those who have been mothers, as these women and powerful people have demonstrated your fierce care like a mother bear persevering to rescue her cubs, like a mother hen pulling all of her chicks closer together under her wings. They have seen us like no other. They have fought for us and loved us completely. Allow us on this day of remembering the strength and care of our mothers to remember all that they have taught us and the ways that we have witnessed you through them. May all come to know what it's like to experience you through those who have been mothers to us the way that you have. May all come to know you as we have known and been known by our mothers and let them be forever changed. Forever cradle us, your children, in your arms, God our mother, and walk with us always. Amen. morning to all of you. I encourage you to open your Bibles now to John chapter 14. We're going to be reading an excerpt from that chapter, verses 18 through 29. We are still in the upper room. Yes, I know it's Easter. And last week and this week, we are spending time in the upper room, considering a gift Jesus gives his disciples then, even before his agony, even before his resurrection, his return to them, he places into their lives gifts. Last week it was a mandate, a call, a command to love one another as he loves them and us. This week we hear how he leaves in their midst peace. But a peace unlike the peace that the world gives. So with open hearts, with open ears, with open lives, let us hear God speak through God's word. I will not leave you as orphans. 
I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord... Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. May God bless the reading and the hearing of Scripture today. Well, as I said, it may seem a little strange for us on this side of Easter, to be continuing to read and revisit stories, events, and words, and gifts that are given on Holy Week. This on what we call Maundy Thursday, not Monday Thursday, as I explained last week. But here in John's Gospels, these are the chapters where we learn from Jesus' own mouth and in his own words what living into the resurrection really means for us. And so John chapter 14 begins with words of comfort, words that we often rightly remember at funerals. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I tell you that I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, you will be also. These are words of comfort. They're words of comfort that can sustain us as we grieve. And as the disciples hear them today, we also understand that they stirred up more questions. Grief does that too. Jesus has told them in chapter 13 that where he is going, they cannot follow. And this upset them. They've been following him 24-7 for probably three years. They were just starting to figure out what this whole following Jesus might mean for them in this life. And now Jesus tells them he is leaving. He is going to be gone from their sight and they wouldn't be able to come with him. 
And so Peter's already asked Jesus in chapter 13 why he can't follow Jesus. After all, he insists, I will lay down my life for you. But Peter knows, uh, Jesus knows that Peter will deny Jesus in just a few hours. Thomas asks here at the beginning of 14, after Jesus talks about this way to his father's house, he says, how can we know the road to follow you if we don't even know where you're going? And Jesus reminds him in response, I am the road. I am the truth. I am the life. And so Jesus goes on to include the disciples in his relationship with the Father. Now, if you know me, you know my Father. And so Philip then jumps into the conversation, and he says, show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. Sometimes I think we view our lives of faith as being this sort of like a, like a baby chick, just with an open mouth, just pour it in and, and give me the food. But we see in the disciples this ongoing conversation. They need clarification. They want to challenge something Jesus has said. And it takes a great deal of courage to ask questions. It takes a great deal of courage to ask questions of faith when we think we've got things sewn up or we want other people to think we've got it all sewn up. But the disciples show us here questions. Welcome. And Jesus continues to respond. And that's where we find ourselves now, in the midst of that anxious conversation in a cohort of followers of Jesus, listening to Jesus speak troubling words that we arrive at this word today. Jesus reminds the disciples that they've seen him. And when they've seen him, they've seen the Father, because the Father and Jesus are in each other. And so Judas, not Iscariot, John is quick to tell us, wants to know now how is it you are going to reveal yourself to us? And how is it you're going to do that and not reveal yourself to the world? And Jesus answers him plainly with a troubling word. Those who love me will keep my word and my Father will love them. And we will come to them, we will make our home in them and their home will be in us. Whoever doesn't love me, whoever does not keep my words, that word that you hear out there in the world, that's not mine. But this word that you hear from me now, it's from the Father who sent me. And so scholars have talked about this long section of dialogue and prayer between Jesus and his disciples from, from chapter 14 to about chapter 17. They call it Jesus' final discourse, as if Jesus were standing like this behind a podium and just delivering a long eloquent speech and everybody takes good notes and it's all fine and good but it is really a conversation now among friends after all that's what jesus said his disciples were they're friends a slave does what a slave is told but a friend is allowed into the inner workings of our hearts and of our minds and in this circle of friends now, Jesus, over three years, has cultivated a relationship, and he knows that his life is drawing up. And so he invites his friends now into an even deeper friendship than the one they had shared before. He invites them now into an eternal friendship that he shares with his father. You know, Mother's Day uh, is complicated. We've talked about this in different ways, and thank you, Danny, for reminding us of the many ways that Mother's Day can be complex for us. 
For some of us, it is a time of celebration. For others among us, uh, there are many open questions. The challenge for me, as superficial as it sounds, is what to get the mothers in my life for Mother's Day. Janelle helps us out immensely. I think in a household with just four boys who are kind of dumb as a bag of hammers, she tells us what she wants and we can go out and get it. The hardest part is wrapping it up. Thank you for telling us exactly what you wanted. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, is hard to shop for, partly because of the simple life that she lives and the comparative wealth that they enjoy compared to, say, her children, anything she'd really want, we probably couldn't afford. And what do you get someone who seems so content with whatever they have? And so every year we try and explore this direction or that direction, and this year I noticed it's become something that's rather popular, and it's an incredible tool. There are several resources out there, books, journals, diaries. Some are sort of mail order. They contact you directly. But they reach out into that person you call mother, and they ask questions, prompts, that then they can write down to talk about their history, to talk about their values, to talk about favorite memories or sacred stories, whatever it may be. And that sort of gift of memory is such a treasure because the most troubling part about Mother's Day for all of us is there always comes a time when those people who were so invested in our lives no longer can speak for themselves. And no matter how much time you spend around the table, there's still questions left unanswered. That's what makes that gift so powerful. I'll never forget the feeling I had, even in this life, spending time with my grandmother, who was uh, kind of a mother hen to me in my college years, living so close to the University of Virginia. I'd go there and I'd eat breakfast all the time, and I'd wash my clothes for free, and I'd be able to do all of those things, and sitting around the table with her and with my grandfather, who by that time, because of a series of strokes, had lost a great deal of cognitive ability. And she would tell me stories about their relationship and about our family and about my mom when she was young and, and all of those sorts of things. And, uh, and she'd speak for him, and he would just sort of nod approvingly. But then there came a time when, uh, because of her Alzheimer's disease, she couldn't form any more links in the chain of memory. And going to visit that same woman, and after having a perfectly cordial conversation, uh, lean over to my mom after a half hour and say, who are those people again? Memory is fragile, and it's precious. And when we lose it, we feel like we lose everything. That's why we need these sort of hands-on, tactile experiences. A journal like that is such a great gift. I'm not... I'm not advertising for anyone, but I'd encourage you to look into some way to transmit your story to those who matter because there will come a time, as you know, you can't ask any more questions and you've got to step out, as it were, on faith. Jesus is preparing his disciples for that time. This is why he makes it such a point of emphasis because he knows his mortal life and his presence among them is going to forever change. And when he is gone from their sight, his followers are going to need something to hang on to. 
And he does them one better. He gives them a gift that hangs on to them. I have said these things while I am still with you, he tells them, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of all that I have said to you. It's hard to understand or comprehend what a gift like that might mean. Antonin Dvorak wrote a very famous series, a cycle of, of Roma melodies. Included in those melodies, published in 1880, is one that's called Songs My Mother Taught Me. It's the most famous in that, I see Mackenzie nodding. I was actually, I got it in my notes. Have you had to sing that at a recital? It's a very famous, it's a very famous recital piece. And when it was translated into German, it was very unflatteringly translated. Songs the old mother sang. Uh, we would never say that. Uh, when it was translated into English, it's songs my mother taught me. And the singable version in English says, songs my mother taught me in the days long vanished. Seldom her eyelids were teardrops banished. Now I teach my children each melodious measure. Oft the tears are flowing, oft they flow from my memory's treasure. And I'm drawn to that text because I can look back even on my own life and remember the songs my mom would sort of sing around me. Some were super personal. There was one that went, Christopher Columbus, what do you think of that? A great big lady sat upon my hat. My hat, my hat, my hat. Christopher Columbus, what do you think of that? Now, she, she's no Dvorak. But I'll never forget that. She wrote it just for me and sang it just for me. I still remember it now, knocking on the door of 50. Around every mealtime, all three brothers and a father and, and the mother at every mealtime would sing the blessing. Bless this food, our Lord, we pray. Keep us safe by night and day. Let us love as is thy will. May our hearts with joy be filled. And then a bad, amen, um, some version of that. You know, there's something, and this is why I think music ministry is so important in church. There's something about those songs that go deeper than just sort of memorizing a text or brute forcing our way through complicated melodies and metrical lines. Sometimes there are presences in our lives that sing so deeply they become inscribed into the very heart of who we are. We never forget them. Embedded in that table blessing is so much, not only giving thanks for the day's bread, but also Jesus' great command to love one another as is thy will, and to make our way out into the world with joy. When I think about the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, I think very much the same way of that voice that never leaves us, that is singing into our lives the things of God, the words of Jesus, so that we don't have to rely on ourselves simply to remember and recall with specificity what it was Jesus said. It becomes so much a part of who we are because of the Spirit's activity. It just bursts forth. The Holy Spirit, our advocate, our companion, our comforter, our challenger, who brings to us peace. 
peace, not as the world gives. And we know how the world gives things. It's usually transactional. It's usually extorted. In some way, nothing comes for free. My father is the one who taught me that. But this is a gift that has come freely to us. A gift that is sung about over and over again in scriptures. In Hebrew, I can imagine Jesus speaking these words to his disciples, shalom. It's more than just an absence of conflict. It's more than just a superficial peace. It's more than a freedom, even from the anxiety of the moment. Shalom is this great knitting together of all the loose and torn and frayed and stretched places of our lives. It's a way of drawing under God's watch care everything in completion, in wholeness. And to speak shalom into the lives of his disciples and into the lives of those in this world. Jesus is pointing them now and in the future to a time when creation is knit back together and God finally has what God wants in this world. I was joking with some of the mothers in the conversation today about um, what my mom really wants. I don't think I can provide for Mother's Day. What she really wants is for all of her children and grandchildren to buy campers and to live in her backyard. To come in from Richmond, to come up from Durham, and to live there and stay forever. Can you imagine that same impulse residing and pulsating within the heart of God? No wonder the disciples are simultaneously awestruck by a vision of what Jesus is inviting them into, into this abundant and eternal relationship, and constantly perplexed about how to get it done. The good news is this. Be at peace. It is accomplished as you trust Jesus as you grow in your relationship with him, as you practice his great command out in the world to love one another as he has loved us. The gift of the Holy Spirit that he gives his disciples even before he's gone from their sight is that means by which we will stay on the right road. John's whole gospel is about the incarnation. It's about God becoming flesh. That God fulfills God's deepest desire in the amazing story that's found in John because God's deep desire is to make a home with us. And God's desire, God's will, is to be able to bring all of God's relationship, each and every one of you and all y'all together, into that same perfect, life-giving, life-spawning relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. And as we move through that incarnation, as we walk with Jesus, even beyond resurrection, He is preparing them 
and to us for that time when he ascends to be in that place that is permanent and everlasting with his Father. That's the peace that Jesus offers. It has nothing to do with, with you know, tidying up our social media relationships, though that's really helpful. Though it has nothing to do with policy and getting the government to do more, though that is really important. It has nothing to do with taking more personal responsibility, though that is essential for navigating our way through the difficulties of this life and avoiding avoidable conflict. The peace that Jesus offers is more than that. It is a peace that empowers us to be able freely and fully to give ourselves in love to one another and together to the world, just as he did. And it is a peace that we can experience and anticipate as we make our way in this risky faith-based journey with Jesus in the living of our days so that now and forever that life that flows from the very heart of God is our life too. And it's a life that is ours forever so that we might be captured and contained in that great fellowship. It's Mother's Day. Let's call it a womb at the center of God's own life. So go from this place and give that life away. Share it. And may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the community, the communion of God's Holy Spirit be with you all now and forever. Amen.